It used to be hard to find the exact auto parts you needed, and that meant spending a lot of time at swap meets. It's a different game now when you can order exactly what you need from eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts, so you can always find the right fitment. Spend less time searching and more time building with the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online, online. with Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM, the Keysport. 107.5 FM, WLDJ, Newcastle, 1620 AM, Huntington Community Radio, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, steelfm.org, WWSX Radio 99.1 FM, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, RadioRehoboth.com, Orca Radio, Owensboro, Kentucky, and we have a new affiliate, which is Good Talk Radio. Com. And, of course, we're streaming live tonight on pghtalkradio.com. So, anyhow, hope everything's going fine for you on this Monday evening. For those of you listening live, congratulations. Glad you could be here. For those of you listening on a later broadcast later this week, glad you could be here, too. So, tonight, we're going to be talking comedy. We've had multiple comedians on the program over the last two and a half, three years. So we've talked different avenues of comedy. And I have another comedian on tonight, which is why I'm talking about comedy, which makes sense, right? And <laughs> we have Lisa David Olson. She is a speaker, creative coach, and author of the memoir, Laughs on Rye, in which she shares how humor saved her life after an abusive childhood. Lisa, how are you doing this evening? Hey, Bill. Hey, all those stations he just said. <laughs> that's a lot. The list gets longer every week, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll take it. That's a great thing. Thanks for supporting comedy. It sounds like you've had a couple of funny people ahead of me, and that's all right. Yeah, I've had I've had um, a gentleman um, that claims that he is a comedy coach. I've had comedians dealing with mental health issues. I've had... Um, TV comedians, I've had all these different types of people, but I was interested when I read your bio that you wrote a memoir that is Laughs on Rye, which of course is a play on words, and how humor saved your life after an abusive childhood. 
What do you mean by that? When I was growing up, we had an alcoholic mom who was physically abusing us when she would get really, really drunk. Okay. And it was in the night. And and so basically humor was the distraction. Sometimes you could get mom to laugh and distract her. It didn't always work. But, but as myself and my three siblings were trying to help each other after an incident, humor became a thing to entertain each other. Maybe we would become one of mom's friends who we called Swearing Daryl. You know, we just use comedy and become doing sketches or watching comedy on TV. So definitely Carol Burnett, I used to pretend that she was raising me because she was raised by her grandma. And I just loved Carol Burnett. That was a great escape. So basically what you're saying is, is that you use comedy as a way to survive during in a household with an abusive parent. And that was your release. That was your release in the way of dealing with it. Now, your siblings, did they deal with it the same way or did they have other coping mechanisms? Um, all four of us went different directions. My older sister got married, well, I should say pregnant and married at 19. I left the home at 17. My older brother stayed as long as he could, and then he left for California, and he's never been back. And my younger brother, I don't even, I'm not even in touch with him. So we all went way different directions. So when you left the house at 17, did you start as a comedian then, or did you take the road of hard knocks and then eventually became a comedian. Totally hard knocks. Totally. Didn't drive, didn't have a car, hadn't graduated high school, um, found a job, rode a bus to get to my job and shared an apartment and just kind of did my own thing. I, I was married later in life and had kids way later. My sister's kids were all out of the house and I was starting a family. It was just really bizarre comparisons. Comedy started basically... I would say just being a funny person, but professionally, I was my. It was my first marriage. I had two toddlers, and that's when I started doing improv and sketch comedy for a troupe that I ended up owning and running. And okay, been for twenty years. So, how do you get into comedy? I know a lot of people that say they're funny, they want to try stand up, they want to do it, but they're always afraid to actually do that open mic night. How did you get yourself up on stage? I love that question. You would not be you. So if Bill yourself were doing comedy, the chances are great. Just like when you're live on the air, the chances are great. You don't sit at home and talk like like this at the table and give the weather report before passing the peas. Well, so, well sometimes, you know, I, sometimes I do. It annoys my wife, you. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the peas are coming on an easterly wind. Yeah. <sighs> Partly cloudy, mashed potatoes. Yeah, you basically, uh, once you realize that you're not you on the stage, there's this, at least it worked for me, it's disassociation that worked. And I've seen plenty of shows where you talk to the comic, and before they get on stage, they're just a regular guy, and maybe you talk to him at the store. They get on stage, and they're this whole different persona. So how how long did it take for you to get enough guts to stand on stage? Uh, once I joined the troupe, once I won the audition and got in, there was no going back okay. because once you'd said a joke, just like when you're with your buddies and you're making up stories and stuff, when you get a laugh, you always remember that. And 
a lot of my success was having an excellent director who could pull characters out of me and and definitely could tell me gently when something wasn't working. He taught me so much about comedy, you know, comedy in threes and how to do an actual scene that you have to have a conflict and then come out of it. Now, how to have your partner's back. So that's what I talk about with businesses. All the things I learned work for business. When you when you did comedy, now before you got into the before you got into the troupe, were you just telling one liners or were you telling stories that were situational? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. My my father's a great storyteller. He can tell the whole story slowly. And I'm a person who I love punchlines. In okay. fact, that's required at my funeral. Everyone's <laughs> going to have to share their favorite punchline. Okay. I call it punchlines only. Do you have a favorite punchline that's clean enough to? Do I to have share? one? I would have to think about that for a while. You ponder and then just burst out. Okay. You know, like like you have comedy Tourette's. So I I don't think I did much stand up until I was already in the comedy troupe and already doing improvisation. Improv is just so quick thinking. And I ask people when I'm speaking, you know, I do keynotes and I'm like, do you do improv? And so Bill, I'll ask you, do you do improv? I do improv every time I turn on a mic. Excellent answer. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. And for a lot of people, it's, Every time your boss asks you a question, yes, or your kid true. asks you where babies come from, uh-huh. or you're driving a car, or you get to the grocery store and you make up what's going to be for dinner. Improv doesn't always mean a stage and a spotlight, or in your case, the microphone and and uh, headphones. So, you know, if a lot of people, well, quarantine, oh. everybody became an improv artist with quarantine. Oh, exactly. And everybody became a Zoom expert and they were trying to entertain while they were in meetings. Yes, and making sourdough bread. Yeah. Everyone is an expert. Yeah, why sourdough bread is beyond me, but still. I do not know. Yeah, I do not know that. <laughs> so I was... Maybe you, you people can tell us. <laughs> I was doing a little research before um, I called you this evening, and I noticed on one of the radio interviews that you did, you said you're more of a storyteller. What do you mean by that? Just that it's not the one-two punch, it's not Stephen Wright one-liners kind of a thing. Okay. I'd rather tell you the story about my um, my yearly exam where I was having my pap smear, and it's a very awkward time for a female. And they always tell you, scooch down closer, scooch closer. And it's always been my goal for them to say, can you back her up just an inch, please? <laughs> but to make it more exciting for my doc, I... I put a tattoo on my inner thigh right up by the, the you know, the skull right. cave. And uh, he didn't notice. And, you know, so that's a whole story in itself that when I was trying to choose which tattoo. And I went to my husband. I was like, which one? The, the dinosaur and the flower, the fish? He goes, no, 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 area. Like, great choice. And so I went with the dinosaur. And the head didn't go on. And I was in the bathroom at work because I worked at a hospital, and the head didn't go on. And I ran out of time, and I had to go with a headless dinosaur right there on my upper thigh. And then he didn't even notice. <laughs> so I had to, you know, bring in the intern, you know. Do you mind if Heidi is here for this? No, bring in everybody. You know, isn't Frank the janitor in the hallway? Bring in Let's see who can notice Barney without a head down here. Maybe <laughs> just take a look. Step on up. So, when, yeah, when, so that that's one of the stories. When, when you when you do this, and and you mentioned you you talk to businesses, do you do keynotes? 
I do. And I've learned how to do them online as well. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm mostly interactive. I was going to say, you probably had to reinvent yourself this past year. A little bit, like everyone did, yes. And that's okay. That's how we grow. That's how we get sweaty in the weird places, which is a way that we know we're doing something right. So do you like doing, um, do you like writing more than you do comedy or a little bit of both? I really find joy in, in both, but, you know, I, I cut back the troupe right before COVID hit where it wasn't even a choice. But the joy in writing with a comedy troupe that I've been working with for decades is just that we all could anticipate each other. And it, once you wrote something, it wasn't just yours. Okay. It was anybody's to take and finish. So you can write a whole sketch that became a punchline. And you could write a punchline that wound up being a sketch. And once you understood that and could let go, it was really, really amazing experience just to see, you know, and then on stage how it works. You hear the audience or you change it the next night if it doesn't work. It's just never the same. So if somebody as hyper as me, that's really a throw. Now, when you talk about troop, you just talking about a group of people that are doing is it improv? Is it prepared sketches? How does this work? It was a mix of both. And it was in a neighboring town in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And we were heart of La Crosse. And that troop had been going on since the 80s. But I had it from, you know, 2000 to 2020. And it was sketch comedy with improvs in between and song parodies. Okay. So we almost always ended up with a musical. That was our, our wrap-up of our whole show, and we would have a nine-night run, so three weekends every fall. But we would write almost all year. And then we also did funny videos as well, Okay. funny commercials with local celebrities and things like that that we would incorporate into the show. So when I grew up watching Carol Burnett, the fact that I ended up running a troupe that, that had similar qualities was just top-notch. I just... I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I had. Now, I've asked this question to other comedians, and one, luckily enough, actually had the opportunity to do this. But I'll ask you, if you were given the opportunity to do something on television in a troop format, would you take it? Yes. Or would that be And too... I would also incorporate the pranks that I do because okay. I'm a prank enthusiast. Hell yeah, I'd run with that. Yeah, because I was just... What time? Should I pack a lunch and head over? <laughs> I was just wondering because to me, when you do TV or anything like that, it, it stifles the creativity to a point. And for someone like it you, can, that yeah. sounds very creative. I can't see doing that, but I do know about your pranks because you hid in a closet for a half hour to scare someone. I will. I've learned that if you take a snack, it doesn't, it's not as bad. Always carry granola bars, okay. quiet ones, the chewy ones, not the loud ones. Um, one of my, one of my good pranks. I've pranked my kids since oh forever. Poor guys. No wonder they moved out as soon as they could. But now I scare my dog. Okay. And then I say to her, "You know, it's just not the same." But my most, uh, one that did not work was almost a year ago at work, and I work with police during the day, and I scared one of the ginormous tree-like officers that was coming around the corner. I just heard him coming, and okay. I, I made a noise, and he raised his fist, and because he's a sharp guy, he did not strike his secretary in the face. But 
what happened was I was trapped between his hand and the wall and I slowly was dragged downward and I found and fractured my tailbone. Ooh. So that hurt and that was all my fault and HR got involved. I'm like, nope, I was on break. Like literally, I was yeah. on break. I just broke my butt. So it was hilarious because, you know, that was my fault. I asked for it. But you cannot scare police, but I don't <laughs> give up trying. Well, I'm thinking about when you tell the story like that, especially in today's work environment, I can see that be, being very tricky because it can always <laughs> be taken the wrong way. And um, Well, they know who they're working with. I mean, I've been there long enough, but when you put those, you know what snapping pops are or snap it? Yes. Little pieces of paper that have a, a tiny explosive and a little paper tail. You whip them on the ground, they make a cute snap sound. But if you tape six into a door frame on the hinges of, of an open door six is the right number okay and yeah so i do that at work once in a while so that when the officers go to the bathroom which is unfortunately right by my office and then this beautiful pal because the jail bathroom is there's nothing in it except the necessities so there's a great echo but then they don't care but it's funny to me especially the day i forgot i did it and my brothers in blue had like bladders of steel they weren't going so i forgot i went in and scared the hell out of myself <laughs> it was tough. yeah i <laughs> then laugh. yeah I, I yeah that's that's probably not a sound that you want to go off in a police with police officers around that <laughs> exactly. popping noise that's that's probably not the, the that's best what my one husband said. No, no, it's not like I think it through. I just want to do it. <laughs> My husband's like, what if you get hurt? What if something bad happens? I said, oh, what a great story. Yes. That's, that's a great story. Not she got run down in Walmart for crossing at the wrong time. No, that's not my story. But she got popped for scaring a cop. Come on, that's awesome. <laughs> Killed in the line of duty. Sure, I'll take that. So... With with COVID and the pandemic and the isolation, everything else, what did you do during this year to basically keep yourself busy since you couldn't be in front of an audience? I am never not busy. I'm writing a book of creative tips for businesses. Okay. I have a podcast, and that's called Stranger Connections. And I'm all, I also do comedy writing, so it's different articles. And I'm preparing for a TEDx talk in April, which is humorous. So, so first question I have: When do they put the X after TED? Because I X means it's an independently run okay or um, event. So TED.com will call some of them from these TEDxes. So mine is TEDx Bloomington, Indiana. Okay, it could be TEDx, you know, wherever. Name your city. Fill in the blank. So it's just different organizers. So I, it always says TEDx and then the city. I learned something new today. Um, so how do you get involved with a TED Talk? Because I really think if you get involved in the TED Talk, you are really close to the top of your career whenever someone asks you to speak this way. I hope so. Yes, because I've, I've been doing keynotes for 20 years, but I... I said that this is my goal, this and meeting Carol Burnett. All I want is an eight-minute conversation with her, which I really keep her longer. But doesn't that sound like a good hook? Oh, I think it'd be a great one. <laughs> so for TEDx, I applied on a form, and okay. then I was invited to do a live pitch, and it was a three-minute live pitch 
where you try not to talk too frantically because you only have three minutes. Then from that, I was selected to be in the group. And now we've been meeting weekly for already five weeks, I think. There's a lot of prep that goes into it. There's just so much you can learn online and, and look for applications online, look for tips online. It's it's a superb way to challenge yourself and help each other at the same time. So in the TED Talk on humor, what, I mean, there's going to be more than one person, correct? This is not all on humor. It is There is uh, an African-American woman talking about mental health for African-American men. Okay. There's one lady who trains dogs, and she decided that the same tips apply to training people. (laughs) And another lady, well, that's basically it. And then another lady does jazz music, and she's teaching improvisation of the mind through jazz improv. Okay. And she'll do an example. That's so, so. That's just a few of them. There's eight. Okay, so it's a, it's in other words, it's a day event with different people speaking on different topics. So correct. What are you focused on when you talk about humor? In this particular talk, yes. I'll be opening with an actual true story from my childhood that deep deep dives into an actual moment of trauma. And then lightly bringing it up and talking about the health of humor. Okay. And a thing I do called Serious Selfies with Strangers. I dabble with some of the pranks I do. And I invite people to connect through humor in various ways. I have a few different things. Tonight when I ran through it uh, with my group, I was at like eight and a half minutes. So it used to be 18 minutes tops. And now they're saying keep it between eight and ten if you really want people okay. to watch. I mean, we're all losing our we're losing our focus. We we can't sit right. and watch a nineteen minute yeah. TED talk so. because the attention span is getting shorter by the by the day. I think. Um, yeah. What's interesting about this is when you talk about your childhood and what moved you into humor. Do you notice that a lot of comedians have the same type of childhood you have, or it's just a few? Because every time I talk to one, they usually talk about a situation that has actually, I don't want to say molded them, but prompted them to go into humor to deal with the pain they're dealing with. It's true. It's it's an escape. And it's when people like myself get applause, that's acceptance, you know, and laughter is approval and you're being you know celebrated you you made a difference you're not being chastised and told that you're not worth anything or told that you're in the way or told that you did something wrong but you go out and get laughter we know that feeling whether you're in the office and people want in on that we are attracted to that right if if we're all at the store and we see a puppy parade go by and they're all in little t-rex costumes we're gonna laugh it doesn't matter our age, our ethnicity, our language barrier, none of that matters. And the ripple effect from humor from that moment that took our complete focus goes on to the next interaction, and we're sharing our joy. Even if we answer the phone, we're laughing or smiling. People know it. So you, mentioned, you mentioned your dad was a storyteller. Did you, Do you feel you picked up some of his techniques after listening to him for years? I do, but he has much better patience than I. So he taught me the way of telling a joke that 
became a, a story that you believed happened. Okay. And when I did that, I've done that to my son. So I've definitely shared some of that. And one of my sons came home one day and said, you know that one story you used to tell about blah, blah, blah? And I said, yeah. And he goes, that was from a joke. And I was like, yeah. And he said, I believed it. And I told my class. They all <laughs> told me it was a joke. So I guess I, <laughs> I lost him a couple of friends. But I would do it again because right. that's powerful. So <laughs> does your um, your mother, does she know that you she basically pushed you in the line of comedy or did she not have any clue? She definitely knows. You know, we had this roller coaster of a life and she's the one that got me involved with a singing group that I tried out for. Okay. And from that is where the comedy came from. So she was a huge supporter. You know, when we were having our good good times, it was definitely in Wade. She would even, you know, when she was sober, she was watching my kids for me and everything. So I write about that in my book. There was a lot of good. You know, I can't say it balanced out all the bad, but she was definitely a huge fan. When you when you uh, when you talk about these stories um, and you tell them to people, because I I've talked about this before, and I've always tried to go into that story, and I'm better I'm better behind a microphone than I am in person because when I'm in person doing it, I'm always looking for the reaction, and if I don't get the mm. reaction I want, either the story goes awry, or I try I try to pump it up and it doesn't work. Do you have that problem? You can, but hopefully you kind of know your point beforehand. I used to be a DJ, and there's that definite thing where you are you have this bit, and you don't have a reaction. So if you've been doing radio for so long, you might not have the same live reaction. You're just doing a bit and hoping it lands. Right, exactly. In a, in, yeah, and if you're on stage, you know if it did or didn't, and hopefully you've got another backup. That's why there's, there's humor, but then there's the punchline, then there's the tag, and then there's there's many levels to, to jokes on stage because you thought this was the punchline. Now I added one more thing. And then you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's like this layered wave of laughs. That's what would work on stage would not work on radio because you can't tell if they got it or not. Right. So your, your style is, is out there and really daring. I think. Because I, I have talked to people like that before who suggest that I try it. And I don't have a mm-hmm. problem speaking in front of people. I really don't because I, I've done some public speaking. I've done MC work. I've done stuff like that. It's not that. It's just that I'm afraid that I will fall flat on an audience. Yeah. And I've worked so hard to build this persona that I don't want to see it disappear in 20 minutes. And that's why I don't do it. And I've been honest about this before and said why I don't do it. But I was just curious if you've ever had that issue before. I think it would be wise, and most people do this, they get a writing coach or a comedy coach, and I think you mentioned you had one on. Yeah. it's it, There's nothing wrong with doing that, and especially now with people working over Zoom, you could get somebody so easily to, like just tonight, I presented my TEDx talk to my group, and then we critique each other and, and say, wow, that really made sense, or hey, I couldn't understand this. When you get a comedy critique, like I hired a, I was, the last time I did stand-up was about a year and a half ago, and I wasn't sure of my set, so I paid another comic that I really respect and asked her to go through it with me, and it was so helpful. One of the main things you do is you go back and you cut out as many words as you can, you know? And I was going to 
I was going to ask you yeah. that when you record something like the videos you said you did or anything like that, do you go back and watch them by yourself and then at moments <laughs> cringe when things don't work the way they were supposed to? I, I don't watch them by myself. Okay. Um, my husband's in comedy as well and he, you can't get him to watch any videos, but that's why he prefers to do the videos. I think um, a lot of comics don't. I most of the comics I know do not sit and watch their own stuff. They want to copy for records or right. to have for someday, but I the people in my troop are not that way. We would probably watch if we did a whole scene together because it it was so. We were the Scooby Doo kids once, and we even rented or we got to go through this hotel that was just built so that we could do the running in the hall scene yes. from door to door to door. door. Yeah. Hell yeah, we watched that. That was so goofy. <laughs> well, but just to watch our own self solo. Knowing the re- the reason I ask that is because I'm thinking about it because, and, and if you worked in radio, you would have done this, is that we listen to ourselves to improve, to get a, Ugh, a better timing, sucks. stuff like that. Was that difficult for you to do? I hated voice checks in radio. Sitting there and listening to my own voice, it sounds so awful i mean my i'm so midwest and so like when did i say boat i didn't say boat that many times i say boat oh no but you know it's you hate sitting there with your boss that's the way we had to do it right but um with live comedy you are doing it so much on stage live and being directed in the moment that it's way different than the recording yeah i can imagine but that's a great way to learn and to to listen to yourself it's a great way if you are working on a bit definitely voice record it and look at yourself in the mirror while you do it and then do it again in the car and record it and then do it again on a walk and record it not only will you keep your neighbors away because they think you're going crazy you'll also hear you in different situations and when you switch where you're at you come up with new ideas you, so every time you tell that story it's going to come up a little bit different and you're going to get it really sharpened down you also drive your kids tra- crazy too if you're driving to and from school uh just to let yeah. you know i found that out that's their problem yeah hey got well, them. i gotta step away for a brief moment we'll come back to more conversation here online you are listening to online with bill alexander my guest this evening is lisa david olson we'll be back in just one moment here online with yours truly Bill Alexander. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. What's up? Thinking about you. XOXOXO. Want to snuggle. Dot, dot, dot. JK. Hit me back. 
You getting these texts? Question mark. We should hang later. I miss you. Holla at your boy. Holla back. Holla back. Holla back. Are you at home? Where are you? What are you doing? OMG. You are making me mad. Are you with your ex? You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. That'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey, Sean Casey here, former WORFM DJ. And you're listening to Online with Bill Alexander. You're online with Bill Alexander. Thanks to Sean Casey for doing that for me. Actually, Sean's going to be back on the program the next few weeks. We're going to talk about his days in Philadelphia, since I'm working for a new uh, oldie station outside of Philly on BossJockRadio.com. Yeah, I know. I I do other things. But, uh, But he's going to be back on the program. On the phone line right now, we have Lisa David Olson. Lisa, I'm going to ask you a question. David is your middle name, or is that your maiden name? <laughs> I have two last names. I've been married three times, but the David is stolen from my current and final husband because if I just produced a book with Lisa Olson or I have a comedy album on it too, uh, it would just you. Everybody's Lisa Olson in the Midwest. Okay. So I stole David. <laughs> <laughs> put it right in there. I'm looking at that going, does, did her parents really want a boy? Is that why that's that way or what? Um, <laughs> but but I think it's interesting. And as I was saying beforehand about torturing your kids, because this program airs on multiple stations throughout the region and the country and over in the UK now, that occasionally when I my, – my car has this uh, – what is it, Apple Play or whatever it is, and I can plug my phone in. And at any given time, when a program is on that I'm doing, it will come up. And it could be any time during the day. And when my kids are in the car and they hear the opening theme music, they go, Dad, we're not listening to you again. And I'm going, <laughs> fine, we'll change it. I said, that's not a problem. But I do it because I've been doing this for 20-some years, originally on the radio and then doing it online for the last so 10 years, that it still helps me get timing down and work on things. That's why I ask you if when you listen to yourself, if that helps you in that way, shape or form. But I can understand since you're more of a live performance and not stuck in a room by yourself with a microphone, that that would make more sense that you would have to do it live and you get more effect out of the live audience. Yes, but that's not to say I don't run lines over and over and over. I, I'm definitely a sound person, so not sound in mind, but just that's the uh, you know audio learning. Right. So there's a lot of times I would record my rehearsals if it was a particularly hard scene. Even though you write it, it doesn't mean you have it memorized. 
And so you'd run a scene over and over. And it's like, oh, I'm not getting this. Because I would sometimes one of my characters would get these tongue twisters. So I would record us and then talk along with it. But to watch it afterward wasn't always the thing. But yes, there's so many great ways to, I mean, people use it for getting ready for a test, mm-hmm. you know, say the answers out, write the answers out, do it as many different ways as you can to get different ideas of how, how to get it to stick in your head. Now, you have, how many kids do you have? Oh, there's so many. I don't know. Um, <laughs> two came out of me. Okay. And then I got three more on this last marriage. So I shared five sons. Gotcha. So have any of them come to you and said that they either want to do what you do or are embarrassed by what you do? Neither one. Neither one. I call myself an embarrassing mom, but my sons just don't know any different. Okay. So it, it was really nothing for them to be up on April Fool's Day, even though it wasn't a school day. And let's go, let's go, let's go. I kept the radio off because you people always say it's April Fool's Day. So we drive to the school. There's nobody in the parking lot. And the kids are like, this looks different, Mom. And I said, oh, we must be early. Uh-uh, we're not early. And uh, I said, April Fool's, there's no school. And they were ticked. Why did you get me up? But then we went for pancakes. Right. That made it all better. But no, none of my, my, I've had three of our five have helped us do tech. And a couple have done a little bit on stage because we drag them out of the tech booth to, here, put on a dress and be the grandma. Okay. So they just roll with it. Our kids are definitely funny and kind and tolerant. <laughs> I think the word tolerant is, is, is probably a really good one there. Uh, yes. And and when you when you went into comedy, how many years, I mean, how many years have you been doing it, if you don't mind me asking? No, no, I don't mind. I've, I've been in Heart of Lacrosse. I was doing that for 20 years. I'm 55. So okay. like I say, everything I started was a late bloomer. But, um, you know, I've done th- different things like write an advice column with my husband where it's like, uh, she says this motorcycle next door is starting up every morning at 5 a.m., and it's super loud, and I wanted to sleep in the last half hour of my day. What should I do? Should I go talk to him? What should I do? And then he answers, well, you might want to ask him about his carburetor because it sounds like it's a pretty good bike, but, you know, maybe he's got an issue with it. Somebody should help him fix it. So just these comedy writing things that we would do back and forth, okay. too. is is still so much fun. And so the kids often would hear us and have to be our sounding boards. Like, which, which answer do you like better? Or what do you like best? What makes you laugh? So they've always been stuck in the adult humor world. I've worked, I've worked with young people on and off for the years in, in doing some volunteer work and stuff like that. And we've talked about script writing and, and, and writing lines and stuff. And the kids today, I think because they see it on YouTube or on any of these streaming sites, they think that it is easy. And the term I hate to use is, we will wing it. And the first project, they said, go ahead, you can wing it. And then we watch it and I go, now do you realize why you have to prepare for it? Why you have to write it? Because if you don't, you have no direction. It's so true. When you work with younger comics, do they feel the same way that they can just do it, or do they feel they have to actually put it down on paper? 
you're right. They don't want the rules so much, but then there's no denying what works. Sometimes you just let them roll with it then. And yes, you could probably run with a scene, but if you don't find an out, then it gets awkward and then nobody knows when to end it. You have to be a cohesive team to do a, a sketch together. So when we do improv, it's awesome because the whole room is in on it. If I say, give me a place where two people might meet, anyone can shout something out. And then I say, give me an occupation. And somebody's bound to yell, you know, proctologist, which right. we always ignored. But, you know, when, when you yell out that answer, you feel so safe because you don't have to come up on stage, yet you're suddenly part of the show right. safely from your seat. And you are vested that you want this to go well because you helped build it. So that's the beauty in my world. That's the beauty of improv is everybody's in on the joke and is vested in a good outcome. Now, my question is, whenever you do that, do you just let people yell things out and then you control what you want because you have stuff already thought about with those scenarios? Um, we generally would take something we had not done. Okay. There's one game we play where we say, give me a room in the castle. And there's only so many rooms we've been doing this for decades. But if somebody would say the closet in the ballroom, I mean, heck yeah, that's what we're taking. That is so obscure. It's when somebody leaves the room and they have to guess what room you're telling them. So you want the most obscure and it's just awesome. So much easier than saying the bathroom. It's so <laughs> obvious you're going to shower or sit right, on the Right, right. So, because you're acting it out without words. But, Yes, the more obscure, the better, the more you work together, which makes it really twisted for the audience to see. Just like my example, give me a place where two people might meet. Somebody yells out grocery store. Somebody yells out dog groomer. I often put two things together. Okay, so it's the pizza place inside the dog groomer, you know, whatever ideas I might hear. And now two people are in on it, and it's even more obscure and just more ridiculous because as soon as somebody walks on stage, they say, Oh, uh, yeah, I got a pizza to order and my shih tzu's getting her nails done. I mean, that's ridiculous. So, and then the other person knows, okay, so you're the customer. That makes me the worker. You establish these things that you've been doing. So there's a definite outline for improv and that you definitely have to establish who you are. Think of a conflict to work on and then find your out. Have there ever been any improvs that you've done that have fallen flat that you, tr- you, you, you had to bail yourself out and the bailout was funnier than what the improv was. Heck yes. And those would usually be with a more physical comedy. You know, we would play sit, stand, lean, and that's three people that can never do the same. So only one person can sit, one can stand and one has to be leaning. So if one person stood up from sitting on the stool Somebody else has to sit quick. It's ridiculous. And sometimes we would get stuck or um, you can't find an out because you are in such a physical mode. Your partner just leans over. Now now I've got to stand because I can't lean anymore. She just took my spot of leaning. It's a frantic, frantic sketch that the audience seems to love. And we would always build it up, you know, more frantic, more frantic. But it's hard to find your subject line of getting out of that situation because you are so vested in the physicality of right. it that oftentimes somebody would leave with the chair just, you know, or do something silly like that or just give up, you know. So And it, it turned out okay. 
because again, the audience was in on it. So with the, the, the whole thing of COVID this year, not being able to perform publicly, are you looking forward to go back on the stage again? No, I had actually retired from that. Okay. Um, right in January of 2020, not understanding that I didn't have a choice because I thought 20 years, that's a pretty cool number. So myself, I'm shifting just to the speaking and, and working with businesses. And um, so far, no one from the troop has said they're going to take over. But if they did, they could. And I would be a player. I just don't want to run it anymore. Right. So I know I'll, I'll do more improv or some stand-up. I know that. And am I looking forward to it was your question. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've got – I'm not super anxious. I've got several stand-up comedy friends that are actually pretty well-known. And they, that didn't, I didn't mean to brag. It sounded like that. What I mean. Oh, I do that all the time. Don't worry about it. It's their living to be out there on the road. They call themselves the road dogs. Uh And they are itching. So they're getting out there a little bit right now. But with the spacing of an audience to be safe and the less numbers, your energy level is swooped. You know, you want that full room of, Laughter is contagious, and so when we're in a room laughing together, even if I don't get the joke, I laugh because I hear laughter. That's why some people do laughter yoga. I don't. I don't. It doesn't make me comfortable. But they just laugh for the sake of laughing, and then they end up laughing more. But they're they're out there, but it's such a spaced apart audience with sometimes with masks on. I can't think of that. Just sounds like a really bad dream to me. The, the the thing I get about it, and, and whenever we started this whole thing, I thought I never thought the day we'd be able to walk into a bank with a mask on without a hold-up note, um, and people right. would accept you. Right. But when you're doing that, I can I, it, it seems to me that if a comedian would have to wear all that garb, I mean, it would be funny at first. But I think after a while it get annoying because he's they're pointing out what we're dealing with. And usually when we see a comedian, we want to be taken somewhere else and not worry about our yeah. issues and our problems. And I see that being an issue that would have to be overcome early in the routine. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it depends on the, the, the act. But, you know, some are musicals, some right. are different. I don't know that the comic is wearing a mask, but... They certainly are. Honestly, they're wiping down mics. And yes, stuff. yes. That's a little bit distracting. So, and I get it because I've been on plenty of stages where, in the spotlight, you can see how we spray when oh, we're yeah. projecting our voices and, ew. yeah. So that's worse. So, but it, it'll come around. So the podcast you do, what is it focusing on? Weirdos. It's <laughs> called Stranger Connections, and I want the weirdest life stories i want the strangest careers just quirky hobbies and that's who i celebrate (laughs) well i I want the weirdos i have an interview coming up in a few weeks with a dog psychic yes a dog psychic oh is that liz murdoch uh no Uh, (laughs) it's it's that's who i interviewed i had a dog psychic so how did she was good so how did that go (laughs) she was amazing my dog is a rescue dog and she told me stuff about my dog all i did was bring my dog up on my lap and she's like don't tell me anything and and she even talked about um she doesn't like to do tricks because when she sits she needs to sit a certain way because of her body shape 
And she's right. My dog does not do tricks. And she's got a long, she's got like a corgi body, but a pit bull face. Okay. <laughs> almost like the dog from Mass. She's goofy looking. Oh, okay. And and uh, she, when she sits, she sits almost side saddle. She sits on her hip. And it's just the weirdest thing that Liz said that. So she, the, the dog psychic I had also does other animals too, but she's called the dog whisperer. So yeah, that's the kind of guest I have. What is the most, okay. What is the most unique guest you've had on the program? I think my first guest ever was very unique because he was a monk for nine years and then he stopped being a monk. So my kind of questions were, why'd you start? Eventually I would ask, why'd you stop? You're been married you know i've asked all these things and he rolled with it he was awesome and another great one is this guy named jeege g-e-e-g jeege and ahab is the wooden troll that he carries everywhere and it's a 40 pound troll that has like the fisherman's jacket on it yes and he does jeege and ahab's event adventures They've climbed mountains. They've jumped okay. from airplanes. They've people want selfies with them. And he's carrying on a tradition from his family, but he's taking it to the extreme of taking. They have uh, the guy is so cool. Uh, he's a young guy, and he's just wonderful to talk with. And I just found him to be a fabulous guest. Just really cool. One of the oddest that I had, and I've spoken to her twice is a ventriloquist. Now, a ventriloquist on the radio is very interesting, just to let you know. Because 20, yes. because 2020, as I told her, I said 2020 was going to be my new career of being a ventriloquist. She said, why? I said, because I can wear a mask and no one would see my mouth, my lips move. I said, that is the perfect job for 2020. But when she would bring on her characters, the puppets that she would use, and she would go into those voices and yeah. it would be it was so fun to talk to her, especially during the election, because she had one. It was President Donald Trump that she did. And she it, and of course, it didn't sound exactly, but it gave you that that uh, vision of him. And I could imagine her That's sitting in, in her home in Las Vegas with a hand puppet on talking to me on the phone using the puppet, which I don't know if she was oh. or not. But again, yeah. that was one of the I most. I bet she unique. was, yeah. Yeah, April. April. Yeah. April is a treat. Um, I've had her on a couple of times, but again, I can see where that gets very interesting when you talk to the most unique people because you don't hear those types of stories on a regular basis, and with the type no. of humor that you do, you're actually expo- not. I don't want to use the word expose, but you're giving them their their fifteen minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's not like it's a favor. It's just that I'm so curious. And, you know, like the guy who was bipolar and blamed at the age of 12, they blamed the father's death on him. He'll tell that story. And he turned to drugs and alcohol. And then he learned he was bipolar. And now he's a major athlete. And he wrote a book called Tripolar. That's Tim Davis. And he has just, oh, he was fun to talk to. Just just to his story is just fascinating. Yeah. You definitely enjoy I, that story, but that's the kind of stuff I want. You know, I'm still looking for the nurse who walks on hot coals. I lost her name, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I always want the weirdest things because 
we all have something weird and we all have a story and i love love learning about people's stories so the, the the videos that you do are they all dealing with pranks no we we did a lot of fake commercials okay and things for our show and some some musical numbers but Basically, it, it, a lot of parody. It would all fall under parody. So, okay, because I'm you and I are the same age, um, and I'm okay. going. I'm going back to my days of the Carol Burnett show when they would do the commercial parodies on the program. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Real similar. Yes, we would use uh, our one of our news anchors in town is Jennifer Livingston. She kind of went national because some guy made fun of her weight, and oh, then he got slammed all over the yes. place. So she's in a lot of our stuff. Uh, we have a brewery in town that, that emotes just a, a really rancid egg scent. And so we did a perfume commercial down there, and she was gagging and stuff. So I think it was called What's That Smell or something. Okay. You know, to have her be a part of it. She We always called her our honorary troop member. Uh-huh. That was always ridiculous. She is just so fun. So things like that that people came to actually expect. So it's like, okay, the more you do, the more you got to do. <laughs> So it's hard to believe we've been on the phone for almost an hour now talking about your career and everything else. Is there anything you'd like to leave my audience with? I think everyone knows humor is a connector, and I just always want people to know that humor is a choice, that if you're thinking about it, you know, if you're thinking about a white car, you're going to see white cars. Right. So think about something joyful. If you're thinking about a friend, send them a message, a text, hell, send them a letter and let them know you're thinking about them because a made-up stat is 87% of the time that person will respond to you and say, I needed that just then. So make a choice to reach out and make somebody laugh and it comes back to you and it's affordable. Humor is healthy. It lowers your blood pressure. It raises your endorphins and it releases nature's antidepressant of serotonin. So let's face it. It's affordable health care. Yes. Spread it around. Now, Lisa, where can they get your book at? Just check out Lisa David Olson, uh, my website. It's going to be revamped this week. I can't wait for that to happen. And otherwise, it's on Amazon. I did an audio version. You can hear my voice even more if you want to. Or just reach out to me on Facebook. Okay. And I've got a comedy group on Facebook called Counterclockwise. So join that for all laughter, nothing dirty, Nothing political. Okay. And are you looking at writing anything else in the future? Yes. I've got a journal I wrote on creative cues to help you uh, reignite stuck ideas. And I'm going to turn that into an actual, instead of a workbook, it'll be a playbook to align with my talks to businesses. I'm a business humorist. Oh, okay. So I like to zap the creativity and get it spread around. And how do you become a business humorist? When you are interactive for 20 years, you can call yourself whatever you want. Because when I go to a business, <laughs> I play one of my telemarketer phone calls. And okay. I play a couple of improv games that, and my promise is, I won't scare your introverts. I keep to my promise. But we all end up having a really good That's time. Good. But we also talk about the skills from stage to business that are listening skills, having your partners back, making your coworkers look good, spreading joy, all those things in depth. And it's always a really good time. And we get to know each other on a 
on a fun-based level. Well, Lisa, thank you very much. I really enjoyed your uh, our talk this evening, and uh, I'd love to have you back on the show again in the future if anything else comes around, maybe even after the TED Talk, so we can talk about what you talked about on the TED Talk. I would love that, Bill. Thank you so much for having me on, and I appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you so much. You have a great night. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Lisa David Olson here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. It's fun to talk to people like that because it gives you a different perspective. I'm going to step away for a brief moment and then wrap up tonight's show here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. What's up? Thinking about you. XOXOXO. Want to snuggle, dot, 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 JK, hit me back, you getting these texts, question mark, we should hang later, I miss you, holla at your boy, holla back, holla back, holla back, are you at home, where are you, what are you doing, OMG, you are making me mad, are you with your ex, you better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at thatsnotcool.com. That'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey, Sean Casey here, former WORFM DJ. And you're listening to Online with Bill Alexander. Well, it's time to wrap up another program. Next week, we have uh, a guest that's been on the program before. Looking forward to it. Um, and, and I'm doing it right so I can get it right. But it's Catherine Mayer Robinson will be on. She is uh, the host of the very famous podcast, she will be on the program next week. We're going to be talking to her. We talked to her about a year ago once she got the podcast going. And trust me, that thing is on fire, That what she's doing. So we're going to have her on the program. In a few weeks, we're going to have Sean Casey back on the program. Uh, we are uh, mentioning, I, I mentioned the... Uh, <laughs> The Dog Psychic will be on in the future, too. And we have a full list of programs that are going to be coming out real soon, too. If you need to find out more information, go to the website, italknet.com. Click on Show Calendar, and you'll see everybody that is listed. 
plus my time on BossJockRadio.com and also on WLDJ Hall of Fame Music Radio when I'm doing air shifts. But one more time to say thank you to all our stations. WMCK McKeesport, 107.5 FM WLDJ, 1620 AM Huntington, Hall of Fame Music Radio, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, WWSX Radio 99.1 FM Rehoboth, Orca Radio, Owensboro, Kentucky, and also our new affiliate, GoodTalkRadio.com. And, of course, we are streaming at PGHTalkRadio.com. Guys, I am out of here. You have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time. Here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Ready to launch a new career or not sure what to do after graduation? Rumkey is hiring for CDL driving trainees. We pay you to get your CDL license while working for us. Driver trainees receive $18 an hour, great benefits, and Rumkey will pay your CDL costs. Once you're a CDL driver, you can earn $1,000 to $1,300 a week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in your first year. Apply today and launch a lucrative career at Rumkey. Apply now at RumkeyCareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. At Jiffy Lube, it's our job to make car care make sense. With personalized service reviews that swap the car talk for straight talk. So you know what your car is telling you and what to do about it. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care? That's a job for Jiffy.